Yes, folks, it's Thursday. I think I got all the buttons pushed. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this has to be... Well, Elizabeth, how are we doing today? We're doing well. How are you doing? We're kind of missing a few people, but we've got it covered, right? As far as I can tell, we got it covered. All the buttons got hit that should have gotten hit, and like we're moving along, other than the fact that we're missing Kristen, and we're missing Ray, and we're missing David. So we're missing a whole lot of folks, aren't we? Yeah, but they're out for good reason. Kristen's off to Vegas for a wedding and a birthday celebration. Ray is celebrating his anniversary with his wife. Um, David's busy, I think, getting uh, joint stuff, the joint chiropractic stuff uh, training done. So everybody's a busy little bees, but, but the old standbys are ready to get through the show and, and make it a good one. Well, we can only hope. The interesting you mentioned, you, you mentioned something there about What's that? birthdays. And since we are in word on the street, we've had a couple of birthdays, have we not? We have. Had her big five zero. You can see Kristen with her alien. Yes. Yes, and you give us the next one. And that's our technical producer Heidi, who's never heard, never seen, but throws a mean stapler when she's annoyed. So. Um, <laughs> as she should. I'm a fan should. of that. Should we? Are we going to have everyone sing Happy Birthday? Last time we tried that, it was really offensive, I think, to the to the ear. So I think that we should just give them a good, hearty, happy birthday to both of them and thank them for all their hard work on the show um, and, and leave it at that so that we don't hurt anybody's, you know, inner ear. <laughs> well, that's boring. If we were going to inflict it on one, on other folks, we should. And if I nominate on... you to sing the song. How about that? Uh, I was put under orders, strict orders, something like 40 years ago by my kids, never to sing in, sing in public. So um, <laughs> I always, I, I always back, beg off because, like I said, don't want to incite an insurrection. That's your story. You're sticking to it, right? Mm-hmm. And given that, um, as far as I can tell, uh, one of my kids has just started watching just this minute on Instagram. Um, I can't violate that. Um, you, know, <laughs> you would be caught red-handed, right? Correct. All right. So happy birthday, Heidi. Ha- happy birthday, Kristen. Enjoy. All right. So we're back. So what's word on the street today? So word on the street, you know, we're wrapping up 2021, which which had a little more COVID presence than we uh, thought it would when we ended 2020. Um, Entrepreneur Magazine put out an article with the hottest franchise categories of 2022. So we were going to give a little shout out to Entrepreneur and chat about some of the things that they've got listed 
um, which are pretty interesting. Um, you know, the, there were categories that did well, well in 2020 with the pandemic, which were clearly things like cleaning and restoration. Those did really well. Some health and wellness, um, some essential businesses, senior care. Go ahead. So did the, um, you said cleaning and restoration, does yep. that include like our guest today? I think it does. Yeah, we're going to have to talk to him about how they how they did in the pandemic. Some people really went gang, gangbusters with all of the um, the essentials that needed to be done and cleaned and updated and cleaned out and, and all those things. So, but for 2022, they're looking to add some some businesses that are um, things that people want to get back to. So, they're expecting really good growth in salons and spa services and personal care. Um, education and enrichment as kids get back into school um, and we're in more less and less of a virtual space. So there are a lot of, uh, of businesses that are anticipated to do well just because people are sick of not being able to go to them. <laughs> uh, so that's positive. That's positive for all of those industries that had to shut down. Um, I think eating out is going to be bigger again um, now that we're all much more able to do that uh, safely. So 2022, I'm hoping, will be what we thought 2021 would be in terms of recovery. <laughs> Thoughts, Fred? Hmm. What can I say that's reasonably politically correct? Well, Probably nothing. Never stopped you before. So. I know it's never stopped me before. Um, I don't think. My personal belief and has been for the last year, year and a half, is that we're never going back to what people thought was normal. Um, No, I don't think that we are either. And I I know that we have some variants coming down the path. And so I think that the the skills that we all learned in adapting to being virtual or hybrid or in-person or out-of-person, I think we're all going to become a lot more um, nimble at making those transitions, I hope. Um, I just, I hope we have to do them less and less, but I do think it's a new normal. And I think the skills that we've all learned during this process are going to benefit everybody going forward because we're going to, they're going to have to. Or not. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> don't be a negative Nelly, Fred. We're going to Why go with the positive. We've all learned now? and we all know how to navigate this, this new world that we're living in. The end. All right, fine. What else we got on the street? Anything else? Um, well, the December issue launched last week, so if you have not checked that out, go on PillarsOfFranchising.com and check it out. If you would like to see that every time that it comes out and see our newsletter, um, that should be on the PillarsOfFranchising.com. There's a contact form and a pop-up that you should receive. So stick your email in there, sign up for all the things that you're interested in franchising, and we will get information to you promptly. Um, we definitely want to get you subscribing so that we can let you know all the big changes that we've got coming up in the next year. So people can sign up on the site to get the magazine. What about signing up for a mentor? Yeah. So if you are looking for a mentor in the coming year, we have our million dollar mentors, four of them who have found great success in franchising and want to help you do two things. One, buy a franchise if you're looking to buy. Uh, Number two, help you find success once you have made that decision and made your purchase and you need some help along the way making some um, good decisions and avoiding some pitfalls that they have been through. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. You can rely on the people who have already done it. 
Um, so that's another thing. You can also become a sponsor. We've got a great reach. We've got great exposure for you. So if you would like to be included in our newsletter each month, if you want to be on the website on a routine basis, um, if you want to help us provide some content, uh, sponsorship is a great way to do that. And there's a spot on the contact form for that as well. Hmm. Now you lost hmm. me, but okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> just, just, just thinking about the, the mentors. So people that want to buy uh, or are interested in buying a franchise, they can sign up to get a mentor to help them buy? Yes, absolutely. What's, the, what's that going to cost me? So I finally decide I'm going to buy that UPS store. Um, I got to go out or maybe a junkyard um, franchise. The J-Dog junk yeah. <laughs> removal Sorry. and hauling. Yeah. Um, um, so so if, let's just say that you want to buy a J-Dog franchise brand, then you need a mentor to help you navigate that process. There is no cost to you to reach out to us to help you do that. So if you sign up and you want some help, um, put your name and email in there, and then we will get back to you right away to help you find the perfect fit franchise. At no, there's no charge for the mentoring. No, no, not for the, if you're looking to buy, there is no charge. What brilliant genius came up with that idea? I mean, really. So um, if you got a, if you're listening on uh, blog talk radio or on our shoutcast server, you can dial in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. And our birthday, one of our birthday people, I was going to say birthday girl, but that would get me shot. Um, birthday people will talk to you in the green room and get you on the show. So should we bring our guest on? We absolutely should. So today we've already mentioned his business um, We've got Kevin Copa. I'm going to give you a little intro to Fred brings him on. He's got a bachelor's degree in professional studies from Westchester University. He's got 10 and plus years of leadership and operations experience to his role at JDOG. He is responsible for operational strategy and all franchisees. Um, he helps them select and define a territory, implement technology, support for all aspects of the business, um, he also served as a squad leader in the Marine Corps Infantry for six years, overseeing the training, health, and daily operations of his unit, did two deployments to Iraq to support Operation Iraqi Freedom. And that, that is a very strong um, value of the, the brand that he's a part of, of J-Dot. Um, recycle, oh, sorry, my brain is just all the So now we know what – But of J-Dot, um, junk removal and recycling. And we know what the, so, Kevin, that wait, was the bumbling um, of your company name, but it welcome was. to the show, and I'm excited to talk to <laughs> you about all that. So <laughs> now I'm assuming before I was thinking the J stood for junk, but now, uh, as Elizabeth reminded me, you're a jarhead, mother bleep. <laughs> so the J stands for jarhead, doesn't it, or junk? Uh, well, not quite. It's, uh, it stands for Jerry. Uh, our CEO and founder was a wire dog in the army, and his first name being Jerry, so um, J Dog was born. Right, that's a perfect combination of those like what I'm call bummed. sign. What do they call it in the Marines? Uh, well, that was his nickname, uh, I guess. I mean, like the title would be your MOS, your your job, your occupational specialty. 
So Kevin, I'm, I think this is a really neat um, business model. You're heavily focused on veterans, veteran ownership as a, as the franchisor who's a veteran, he hires all veterans. Is that right? Um, so the franchise system, we only award franchises to veterans or immediate family. Okay. So it's kind of like USAA. So I think right now we're at 87% veteran and about 13% immediate family members. So you might have somebody whose father served or right. whose kids are in the, in the service. Um, and here at HQ, I think we're about 50-50. So it's hard to be exclusive to veterans because it's just right. such a small portion of our population these days, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, as much as possible here at HQ and all our franchisees do their best to hire veterans as much as possible. So tell, tell me, and you know, we've had some other guests on who have talked about the importance of setting for, uh, veterans up in, in business ownership, and that's not something that is always considered. They have a lot of uh, recruiters come out from corporate jobs to recruit people exiting the military, but fewer are aware of business opportunities to become business owners. So why was that so important to Jerry um, as a franchisor? It was important to Jerry because he lived. Um, right. He got out of the Army, and none of his skills were really easily transferable into civilian workplace. Um, he, he got into retail after he bounced around for quite a while, and then He's very entrepreneurial, so he had, um, had started a, a number of other businesses before before J Dog, and uh, he, when he started J Dog, it was he used the name J Dog, but it was not advertised as military. He started here in the uh, in the King of Prussia area, just outside of Philadelphia. And I think like two weeks in, and this is ten years ago, um, one of his customers commented on how he was just on time, he was clean cut, he you know he. He was very professional, yes sir, yes ma'am, which you just don't see from a lot of service-based uh, industries these days. And mm -hmm. uh, they asked where that came from, and he said, well, you know what, it probably goes back to my days in the, in the Army. And um, she said, you really need to advertise that because I think customers would be more attracted to hiring a veteran if they knew you were a veteran. And uh, I think, you know, it was two, three weeks into the business, and he, he went to his wife and said, I think we need to rebrand a little bit. And this change of marketing and uh, that, that kind of was the precipice for everything that followed. So they did it for three years and then realized they had something that, you know, is very easy business, business to you know, duplicate. So they decided they could have a real impact on the veteran unemployment rate, which at the time was five or 6%. Um, so they started JDOG with the mission of getting the veteran unemployment rate less than 1%. That's amazing. Um, and what a great goal. And I do think that when people are aware of military service, they tend to choose uh, businesses who have some kind of connection. You know, my, my dad was in the Navy, and he, he ended up being a lawyer after that. And he hung his flight suit and his um, helmet thing on a hat rack in his office because we lived in Pensacola. And it started conversation and people immediately felt that connection if they had any kind of connection to the military. So I think that something like that is an incredible marketing tool um, and an incredible mission to help those people coming out of the military find their footing. Yeah. And that's, I mean, the, the whole idea of J-Dog is if, if a customer is given the opportunity to hire a veteran or not a veteran, you know, nine times out of 10, hopefully they, they choose the veteran. And uh, among veterans, it, you know, it doesn't matter what service or branch. I mean, we all pick on each other from, you know, Army to Marines and Air Force and whatnot. But um, 
there's a camaraderie because everybody is fight, fighting in the same fight. And uh, I really feel lucky in working here that I get to work with all kinds of veterans every day. And, you know, a lot of them, you know, we have many franchisees that they were in the you know army for 20 years and this is only their real, only second job or career in their whole life. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit, we kind of skipped over the J dog business model and exactly what it is that you do. And I love the fact that you do include a lot of recycling and sustainability in what you do. Um, Cause I think that's another great selling point for you guys. Um, so give us a little bit of background on that and tell us who, Outside of being a veteran, who is your ideal franchisee that you're looking for? Sure. So um, J-Dog started about 11 years ago. Jerry and Tracy ran the business here locally for three years before they started franchising. So we've been franchising for seven to eight years. Um, it is a you know focus on any kind of cleanup. We'll come and take away your sleeper sofa if you got a new one or you know we'll, we clean out full warehouses um we'll do porter service work where we clean parking lots and things like that um we, we have a lot of franchisees that are getting into running dumpsters and things along those lines um and we also have a second franchise system now uh, carpet cleaning and floor care so um and they're going to be getting into janitorial services as well so we've only been doing that for about going on three years now so um, our, the ideal candidate, I've been thinking about that one because I know that was going to be something we talk about. And it's tough because unlike a lot of franchise systems, we, our marketing is very unique and we only really target veterans that are looking to franchise. Um, and we have everything from people that were in the Army for 20 years and get into J-Dog or they might have been, you know, Jerry was in the Army for two years and then in the National Guard for a couple of years and then, you know, worked retail for 20 years before he got into J-Dog. So we have many different um, successful franchisees with a lot of different backgrounds. And what it, what we find, it, it's easy to teach you how to do junk removal. Um, it's easy to teach you how to do the marketing that we do. So we need people that are outgoing and not afraid to go and talk to people. Um, and one thing that veterans in general are, are generally pretty bad at is using their veteran status to their advantage. Yeah. Um, nobody that I know got into the military to help them later in life, but recognizing that that is, you know, a powerful tool to use to your advantage in the future. And, you know, whether it's standing up at a chamber of commerce meeting or the BNI group and just starting with that veteran fact, it, it kind of gets everybody's attention and, Get their focus a little bit quicker. So um, I think that is really the important thing that we need in, in prospective franchisees. It's somebody that is, wants to go out and talk about their service and help others. Because you mentioned the, the sustainability aspect of things, um, not just recycling and scrapping as much as they can, but we have franchisees that have stores fronts um, selling the things that they pick up and they donate the proceeds to certain charities. Um, so it, it's very cool to see the, the, the community that we've created within the brand and everybody's very much about giving back. We have franchisees that go home to their you know, home city and realize that now that I'm a veteran trying to conduct business, I notice that there's not a lot of other veterans doing this. So they'll start their own veteran based networking groups and things like that. And they kind of become the hub in their own town, um, when it comes to veteran networking and stuff like that. So let's have some fun. Um, 
one of my, uh, I guess you'd say one of the heroes I have once said that uh, the Marine is the ultimate killing machine um, in the U.S. or the, the United States Marine is the ultimate killing machine. So given starting from that back, fact, how does that work well as a franchisee? Ah, interesting. Well, I think a more, one of our mottos as Marines was adapt and overcome. And we, we always say we do less with more than the other services because we have a smaller, smaller uh, number of Marines than any other branch, and we have a much smaller budget than most of the other services as well. Um, so I think that, especially given COVID, I mean, everything changed. We're in a business where we come to your house, we come inside, and you know we're walking around touching your things, and that was something that was immediately made people uncomfortable. So to be able to kind of transition that to, you know, we can clean out your basement if you just open the Boco door, you know, we can go in and clean that out without really having to interact with, with you and your family. Um, if you have items in your garage, we can go in there and be in and out without, you know, really causing any disturbance. Um, so I would say to, to, your que- to answer your question, the military background provides a great amount of leadership training and the ability to roll with the punches more than anything else. Um, so I think those are the two qualities that lend themselves well to franchising for veterans. Okay. So do you think veterans are better off being franchisees or uh, starting their own businesses? I know buying a franchise is technically starting your own business, but this is a definite differential, as Jerry will tell you, from starting a business as opposed to buying a franchise. So do you think uh, veterans are better off going the franchise route because of the order and structure, or they might be better off going start starting their own business. I have my own answer, but you know, I figure I'd ask an expert. Yeah, I I generally think franchising is a very good option for for veterans because they they are used to structure, and um, and also not not just the structure of the franchise, but the ethos of brotherhood that we've created within the brand. I feel is really important and I don't have franchising experience outside of this other than, you know, other franchisors that I've met through J-Dog, but, you know, we do a biweekly, a roll call, just open forum, everybody call in, we, we give them the opportunity to kind of ask whatever questions they want to or topics and, you know, we have a substantial part of our, our franchise base call in and calls will go from, it, it's an eight, eight to nine o'clock call in the evening and typically it starts at 7:30 because people call in early and we had a trainee that was here um last week and they were on the roll call and they came in the next morning because i logged off around 9 45 and she said they were on until one in the morning just talking about junk removal best practices and i think that's a lot of what veterans miss and when they go into a civilian workplace there's there's not a lot of there's a missing chunk of shared experiences that all veterans have, you know, this sucked going here, or I was stationed there, or I was a part of this, you know, operation in this country, or, oh, I, we overlapped being at this base for whatever time. Um, so that lends well to instant, you know, friendship between franchisees and the veterans in the system. And um, I think that is the biggest thing that when, when people, when the discovery day attendees come in, they, they can feel, they can see how, you know, we're close with everybody, how much they share amongst each other, and everybody genuinely wants everybody else to succeed. And there's no, 
no real competition within the system, which is really encouraging from my point of view. Everybody wants to help and they all want to build each other up and encourage. Okay, so now we'll go for a really technical question. As much as I'd like it to be about automatic weapons, I'll probably get something thrown at me if I ask it. So um, what I am going to ask, I love having vets on the show. Um, they're my favorite. Um, but in order to get a, a, a J-Dog franchise, what's the, what's the cost I'm going to pay? Somebody wants to buy it and says, how much are, how much are they going to need to buy a J-Dog? So um, right now, the franchise fee is 35000 for your first territory. Um, next year, our FDD has been updated. It's going to go to 45000 for your first territory. Um, territories are based on population. So we do zip codes um, around 200000 give or take 10% in population. And then if someone wants to buy multiple territories, the, the prices scale down and we will stagger the opening so it's not a, a huge upfront cost. Um, Typically, to start, our franchisees are, you know, in need of financing for 80 to 120, maybe 150 thousand, depending on how ambitious they are. Um, the big expenses, other than the franchise fee, are really a truck, which you know, you get a, a, a dump truck or a truck and trailer are both good options for our model. Um, and then wrapping them. I don't know if you've seen we have really cool camo wraps on all our vehicles. Yeah. With a big dog on the side. Um, so, and a lot of those, you know. You, put a deposit down, but you don't need to buy that up front. And then insurance. Um, we do have a requirement for about $3,000 spend in your opening marketing and grand opening, which has been tough to tough to do these last two years in actual grand opening. But um, franchisees have been successful nonetheless um, because the service is really needed these days. So um, we found that during COVID, it's, it, it's not, it, nothing's hurting right now. Elizabeth, you want to take some? You mentioned um, when we were getting ready for this interview that you wanted to talk a little bit about something kind of cool you've got going on with the Discovery Channel. You have a show on there called Operation Hidden Treasures. You want to fill us in on what that's all about? Yeah, so this has been really excited, and Jerry has been working on this for about three years. Um, we were lucky enough to meet Jim Milio, uh, who is the producer of the show. Um, he was behind uh, The Dog Whisperer and a couple other shows. Um, he was a part of my Big Fat Greek Wedding, that movie. So very successful in TV and movie. And uh, <clears throat> him and Jerry kind of sat down about three years ago and kind of came up with the idea of following our J-Dogs, kind of in the light of what American Pickers or Storage Wars are doing, and just seeing the interesting ways that we're able to repurpose and reuse the items from our job. So um, there were... You know, we tried it here, we tried some funding and um, whatever, but it was it was really last year that we, we got all the funding together. We filmed in March, and I think episode nine is going to be airing this Sunday on Discovery Channel at 8 a.m. Um, this is an especially exciting episode because one of our big sponsors is Grunstyle, and they were kind enough to donate a, a custom Indian motorcycle that they had um, made for grunt style. So we're going to be auctioning that off as part of the TV show. All the proceeds will go to benefit the J-Dog Foundation and the grunt style foundation. But uh, it was a very fun process to be a part of the filming and see how they take, you know, reality TV and the hauling and the, 
the jobs that they were, you know, it seems like a disaster when they're on site and the guys are pulling, taking pool tables apart and the, the film crews ran, running around and throughout the whole process, it, it came out as a very good show. Um, the writers did a really good job finding some, some cool stories here in the Philadelphia area. And then they also filmed in San Antonio and uh, Austin. So uh, the, it started in October 10th. We did 10 episodes. So we have two more, two more to air. All right, so I have a question. That's that's a cool thing, and what a great way to get some exposure. Yeah, it's been it's been really powerful, and um, I think the franchisees are feeling it. We're certainly feeling it here at HQ, and uh, we're right now we've done just trying to send this out to the franchisees, but they all have the opportunity to kind of send in a little audition video to the producer, so he can pick the franchisees that'll be a part of season two. But we're hoping to start filming again in March. And uh, and do season two. Wow, that's so exciting! Congratulations on that. That's that's Thank pretty you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So that brings up uh, well, actually, that brings up one question, and then I have another question. So, what's the weirdest thing you found on either on this show or just in general that clean, clean up? Because <laughs> I always love the bizarre. The you, know. you say weirdest, you almost have to go categories because bring they it are. There are so many interesting stories. And I mean, from hoarder homes with, you know, just things growing in the sink and newspapers from the seventies to people that had their own businesses. I was on a job here that somebody used to make um, like clay cast things. So they had a basement full of these really heavy form molds and stuff that they would make. Um, One of our franchisees in Wisconsin got, um, it was an elephant foot table. So it was like a, a table that would go beside a chair or something, but it was based on an elephant foot. Um, one of our franchisees in um, Theo Proya, who's in, uh, in Maryland, he just did a job where he got, I think, 20 pounds of ivory. Wow. That uh, somebody had in a uh, storage unit as a gift when they went to Africa years ago. Um, it it really it, it runs the gambit. The, the weirdest things, inappropriate and not, um, <laughs> but it it's amazing to go through people's homes and you know sometimes it's you know after a loved one passes away and the, the children call us to come and clean out the whole house so they can um, you know sell the house or whatever and like oh wow well, we found found this what do you want us to do with it? <laughs> All right. So then the next question is is on a more mundane uh, perspective. And I hate these questions, but gotta ask: What are the top three regions, uh, major metros, territories that you'd really like to expand in over the next eighteen months? Um, LA is definitely the first. Um, that's one market we we haven't really saturated too heavily. And I'm sorry, I'm turning around, but my nap is over here. Um, we. I would really like to get more into Chicago. We have um, one franchisee uh, that has been in Lake Zurich and Elmhurst for since I've been here, so about six years. Um, but that's really our only only exposure in Chicago. And then, other than that, um, I think expanding in some of the, the Midwest cities like you know, St. Louis, Indianapolis, and places like that. Okay. So the other question I have is. Um, you had said 
you'd given numbers on what it would take to buy as uh, to buy as well as some of the equipment. When should a franchisee, because usually it's not after the first year, it usually takes some time, but when do you think the first, uh, when, how long of a period, let's try it that way, it, is it before a franchisee starts to be profitable? Um, so we are a flat royalty franchise, okay. so we don't have the same reporting and item 19 um, disclosures in our FDD as a lot of franchises do. So I, I can't give specifics on that, unfortunately. Um, but this past year, and with, with COVID and with our increased brand awareness that, you know, it, it's taken 10 years to get to this point, but how strong the brand is now, franchisees have been opening, you know, in this last year where there are I know a number of franchisees that have been profitable within that first year. Um, we have a lot of franchisees that are expanding and opening additional markets, you know, adding equipment as much as possible. That's, that's really been our, been our biggest hurdle this year. And, you know, I think for the next year or so, it's hard to get vehicles. And we have franchisees that we had one that came here today and picked up his dump truck to go home to uh, the, uh, the Canton market in Ohio, and he he was supposed to open in September, and it, he just got his dump truck now. So we are as much as possible. We're trying to get trucks and trailers and dump trucks and the hook and go for the dumpster trucks that we use. Um, and we have a lot of franchisees existing that are expanding into new markets and stuff like this. So vehicles are our biggest hurdle. So that's really if somebody comes into the system, we tell them buy a truck as soon as you can so you can get open and start. Start hauling junk. Okay. So you mentioned uh, what I believe is the, the greatest cure for insomnia known to mankind, the FDD. So <laughs> since you brought that topic up, and at the risk of putting our viewers to sleep, uh, what are the top three items in your FDD that you'd prefer people read first? Um, I think the I think the flat royalty structure is very important. Um, it really gives the franchisee the opportunity to, you know, identify what they want their success to be because we don't, we make a flat amount. If you go and do, you know, half a million or 2 million, you pay us the same amount. Um, so we're not, and we also, we don't have marketing fee. So our strategy is very much um, teaching you how to market in your area and become the J-Dog of, you know, your market and become the veteran fixture within the, the business community that you live within. And instead of us taking your money and deciding how it's spent, um, we in, encourage and empower and train you how to do that on a local level. Um, and then other than that, I would say, you know, looking at those opening fees, it's important that somebody comes into this with operating capital and the, the funds they need to get up and running. And they, if you, you can't start on a shoestring budget. Um, so you need to be able to market and you need to be able to spend that, that initial fee and you need to be able to get a truck and insurance and, you know, have employees. And um, on one of the, one of the podcasts I was watching to prepare for this, I think Elizabeth had mentioned, you know, you, you really have to be marketing because, you know, even when COVID hit, you know, it, and people, new franchisees, you know, you have to drive into their head, like, you need to start marketing, you need to start 
before you're ready to haul junk, you need to be getting customers. You need to be acquiring them. As soon as you're done with training, you need to start working. So rather than going to a whole marketing rant, since Elizabeth <laughs> will tell you and Ray would and Jerry would, that that's one of my favorite topics. So we won't do a whole new show, another show on marketing. I'll just give it to Elizabeth to ask her question. All right. So, Kevin, what do people who want to know more about J-Dog, what is the best way for them to reach you um, to get more information? Um, so on jdog.com, you can go to the form and fill out the, uh, the entry form. Um, that will start the process here. So you'll have an intro call with our sales team to make sure you're qualified. Um, the area that you're interested in is available and you meet our veteran requirement. And then, um, you know, coming here to Discovery Day, I think, is the most important part to really understand, you know, the brand, the, the, the team here that, that, you know, supports you in your business and gets you up and running. And doing the due diligence of talking to the other franchisees throughout that process is very important because, you know, like I said, with Ethos, Ethos the Brotherhood, you call a new franchisee, you know, they're, they're going to encourage you. They're going to tell you how they're doing and they're going to be very transparent with those things. So, um, but if you go to jdog.com, there's a, a lot of, uh, a lot of information there and you can fill out the form and that kind of starts the process. Great. Or you can go well, watch our show you. on Sunday. Oh, yeah. And, on Sunday, tune into the discovery channel, right? Okay, go to the discovery channel, watch the show. Uh, you can watch, you can on demand the other episodes. So, that really gives you a feeling of, you know, what kind of jobs you get into and how you're able to help people. Because, you know, veterans go from serving the country and now you're able to serve your community. And it's a, it's a powerful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much. We'll certainly have you back. This has been a great interview. Um, and I, I think all of us here really love the veteran aspect of it. Um, it it's meaningful to, to many of us and our families. So thank you so much for coming on. And, um, Good luck on the Discovery Channel Season 2. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. and I look forward to watching more episodes. Thank you for your service, sir. Thank you, sir. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements in the local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805 265 5440 or visit us at westvine.com that's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com so jerry so elizabeth good to see you <laughs> you too did you notice i took it off of mute while we were on commercial so i didn't start talking on mute like i usually do well, and I did the same. I, you know, I never turned mine on, so I think both of us got it this week. <laughs> We're learning. We're learning. I'm learning. Yeah, it's mostly me. Slowly. So we are excited to talk to you today because you're going to talk about identifying the next big thing. And with your great clips experience and with the joint chiropractic that you just launched, 
um, I know that you always have your eye on the next big thing. So we want the scoop on how you identify what you think is going to be the next big thing that's that's successful for you and for others. Sure. That's a, it's a great question. And of course, three years ago, I went through that with the joint and uh, it's exploding across the country. And so that turned into a, you know, a really good decision. I had done it with the uh, great clips before and I've helped others get into different ones on the same format. You know, the first thing I do, Elizabeth, is I look to see what's going on in the world, you know, the real world, if you will, if there's trends or fads or those kinds of things that are starting up out there, it's just a matter of time before somebody franchises it. So, um, you know, somebody will be doing something as a little standalone business. Maybe they're doing it on the side, something like that. And they will realize that it's growing and it's getting momentum. Maybe they quit their job and go full time. And then they say, you know, this feels like something that could explode beyond this. Maybe we should turn it into a franchise. Then they reach out to experts to help them actually, you know, put an FDD together and a business plan and those kinds of things. So once that happens, uh, then, then what you need to do is, uh, in my opinion, uh, I've identified it already. Then I start watching some of the industry, the franchising industry uh, experts. So in other words, the entrepreneur uh, top 500 that comes out every year. There's many other uh, franchise magazines that have different rankings throughout the year. And I start watching those to see if that you know, new thing is showing up on there. And then depending on your comfort level, your, you know, whether you're risk adverse or whatever, you may want to watch it for two or three or four years to see how it goes. If, you're, uh, if you really believe it's the right thing, you can get in right at the beginning. Uh, generally, you, know, you can be an innovator. You can maybe get a larger territory. It might be a little less expensive. There's a lot of variables that go into it. But that's what I look for when I'm doing it. And some of my favorites, you know, I look at edible arrangements. Now, think oh, yeah. about that, you know. Uh, in 1999, when that started, it wasn't a thing. Nobody did anything like that. And uh, it actually, was, it was a 16-year-old that uh, bought a flower shop and a few years later uh, combined his love of fruit and, uh, and his floral skills into doing that. And I would have thought, honestly, that that was going to be a fad. And now, look, it's exploded. Uh, they are wildly successful across the country. Everybody's copycatting them now. And uh, who knows where it's going to go. So I missed well, that. And, you know, I've, I've interviewed Somia, the daughter of the owner, who's now their, their digital strategist or vice president of digital uh, strategy. And she, she was a really up-and-coming, amazing young woman. And the, the fact that they've co-branded, I think these are things to watch, too. The fact that they've taken it from just fruit and they've partnered with people who are adjacent. So now they might have cookies or chocolates or whatever it is, I think they really came through the pandemic strong because of some of those strategic decisions. So I think when you watch them over time, you know, that's when you start to see that they're not, that they're going to be more than a fad, wouldn't you say? Right. And somebody like that who has a, a main channel set up and if mm -hmm. they're looking around, they see some of those people that are, that are edging into it by doing cookies and candies mm -hmm. and nuts and those kinds of things. Well, you've already got the channel set up. So it's pretty easy to add that into yours and expand and just make your brand that much more successful, makes it more appealing as a franchise, probably a lot more revenue and profits generated, so it makes it easier to sell that franchise. So I look for those kinds of things, and there's a lot going on in the world right now, a fair amount of it driven by two things, COVID and aging. Yeah. So some of the newer things that are coming out, that have, most of them have been around for ages, but are turning into franchises now, 
you know, if you look at, uh, there's, there's a whole segment on lab-based things now, whether it's testing for COVID, uh, just general blood testing or those kinds of things. There's a wide range of those that are, I would say, I would put them in the emerging category as a franchisor, but some of them are going to grow really rapidly because people are very sensitive to that right now after, after COVID. Um, we are an aging population. So two things are springing out of that right now. Reverse aging franchises. Anything that relate infusion is one of the, the big ones that's getting started right now, you yeah. know, where you're being infused on a regular basis with things that uh, fight the aging uh, issues mm -hmm. that we've got. And then the, the last one related to aging is uh, many, don't, many of us don't want to go into a nursing home, maybe ever, but certainly nowhere than we want to. So, you know, the aging in place type of mm -hmm. uh, franchises are really taking off. Right behind that is, uh, you know, care at home. And then uh, I think the next one when it comes to that is the broad expanse of, uh, you know, new version, new age type uh, nursing homes or specialized care type things. So I think really, you know, we talk about this every week and you guys all know how I roll. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think there's a better time to get into franchising, to buy a franchise. Uh, right now, I think we've got the broadest expanse of innovative, cutting edge, new age type franchises out there where you can really kind of get in uh, on the bottom floor and own a big segment of, uh, you know, a state or a region or something like that. And because franchisors are looking for people if they're kind of emerging that will take a, a, a lot of franchises, a lot of licenses. So I, I don't know if I've ever seen a better time to get into something that um, a few years ago wasn't even a franchise. Yeah. Well, and I want to ask your opinion real quick, too, before we wrap up. The, the education segment, um, we did an interview in our magazine, Ann Huntington Sharma, who talked about having to sort of, you know, fast track some of their online things that they had planned to roll out and had to do it much more quickly. And my sister is a teacher who was moved the role. It was not a good time for teachers um, during the COVID pandemic. And so, this do you, do you think education for people who are looking for a way out of that would be a good up and coming thing? I think it's huge. Uh, yeah. I mean, look at uh, children. Uh, you know, many experts say uh, kindergartners and first graders got impacted for the rest of their life based on what happened during COVID because those are the years when they learn team skills and working together and that kind of stuff. And you can't do that on a Zoom uh, educational session. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of new franchises that come out of that. I think a lot of people want to work at home, and so they're taking additional education online so that they can, you know, be prepared for a job that they can do at home as opposed to going to the office. And I don't want to miss this rare opportunity to call out JDoc because <laughs> there are guests and, you know, anything to do with recycling in any format is turning into a franchise right now. And there is, I think, I think that's a real emerging uh, segment right now too to go along with everything else. So kudos to J Dog and what they do, and uh, other people that are coming out with brands similar to that. Uh, maybe not in that specific category, but you know, recycling other types of things. So I, I really think Elizabeth, I am not kidding. I really think there's a ton of opportunities out there right now. And anybody thinking of uh, leaving their job, uh, starting their own business, or expanding if they own multiple businesses right now and continuing to expand. A rare time in uh, business history right now to take a look at some real cool things going on. 
Awesome. Sounds great. Fred says we have a comment. So, so Fred, what, a, what, what so, kind of comment do we have? Oh, my, it's, no, it's a comment from me. Um, so, Jerry, oh. are you really answering the Kristen question before it even gets answered or asked? I mean, seriously, now, you got to wait till Elizabeth asks the Chris, Kristen question so <laughs> we can get a, we you can know, get a, a side-by-side side do comparison. it every week, so I'm all prepared for it, and I just integrate it into the discussion, and it just, it's yeah. simpler that way. I, I think know. we just need a T-shirt for you that says it's always a good time. <laughs> <laughs> then you just wear it around, right? <laughs> I like it. Thank you, guys. I right, say more so much, of a, should be more of a polo, not a T-shirt. I can't see Jerry in a T-shirt. Polo, well, you know, yes. We can let him Fair take enough. his style. Right. So you ready to go for a shout-out, Elizabeth? Yeah, absolutely. So wanted to um, always remind you that we are a call-in show so that you can call with your questions at any time, whether it's for our guests or our mentors. 323-580-5755 is the number. And then next week, tune in. We've got Mandy Rowe from True Rest Float Spa. Um, looking really forward to, to seeing and talking to her. She's got a really neat and interesting concept. So tune in next week, and we will have Mandy on the show. All right, so we have a new segment and a new regularly occurring uh, guest on the show, Karen Kimsey Ford. We're excited to have her. She's from Dale Carnegie. We interviewed her last week, um, and she's got so much great advice going on that we wanted to have a segment with her each and every week that she's available. So this week, um, with David out, we're going to spend a little more time talking to Karen. So Karen, how are you doing? Hello, I'm doing great. Happy Thursday. Happy, Happy Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this week with you, we wanted to talk about brand ambassadorship. And I think with, with Kevin on the show, he's clearly a great ambassador for J-Dog. And being able to get that show out for them and build their brand recognition and their credibility. Um, so what, what are some of your top tips for becoming your brand's ambassador? Interesting. I think, first of all, Kevin, thank you. Thank you for your service. I loved hearing your segment. I am an Air Force brat. My, my dad was in for 20 years. So I am, I'm all about, I'm going to spread the word about you guys. Absolutely. So that, that's part of it, don't you think? I mean, even just by me listening to him as far as even the, their mission and just how they go about business uh, just gave me a very positive impression. And I think when we talk about being brand ambassadors, I think many times people talk about, you know, brand is kind of like this high-level thing. It could be some marketing. And, and many times we, we don't pay attention to the, the small things that really make the difference with not only with our customers and with our employees and even, even future employees mm-hmm. and really about the small things. For example, you know, I always talk about how I'm with Dale Carnegie and a lot of what we do is about human relations, human relations. So we have to, I always have to make sure that we are living those principles all the time in any interaction, because if we don't live those principles, then it really goes against the brand. So I think it's right. being aware of kind of what that is, what we stand for, and then how do we figure out how not only we as leaders can live it, but actually the people that work for us can live it too. Yeah, I, I mean, that's such a true thing because when you are presented with someone one way in a professional setting and then you bump into them out in the world and they don't match or align, there's something that makes you question their credibility professionally, don't you think? Absolutely. And, and, I've, and I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen, not, not just, I mean, not with our company, but I've seen it happen where, where someone supports something and then I see them, again, in, in like a, 
uh, just a, a setting that's at, uh, actually at the ball field and you see something happen. It's like, whoa, they're not what I thought they were. And then you start questioning even doing business with them. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think that's, that's rampant. And with social media these days, um, I've done some, some marketing work for companies where we get uh, customers complaining on social that their truck was driving too fast down the road. And they've got a picture of it with a number, which in terms of safety purposes is a good thing because we, right. we can reach out and find out who that is. But in terms of reputation, it's not a good thing. You know, because now they're like, look at this idiot driving, like, and, and now they've got a reputation for having, you know, crazy drivers. It, it is so true. Yeah, it's interesting. I used to love the certain department store, and they were known for their customer service for years and years and years. They'd have the little wrapped packages. They were known for going above and beyond, even the way they handed you your bag after they would check you out. And about, about, about a year and a half ago, right before COVID, I happened to uh, visit a couple of the different stores in a couple of different locations and had a really interesting um, situation where the people weren't as nice. Um, I felt as if they, uh, they weren't attentive. And even when you'd ask questions, they, were, they didn't have knowledge. And, and then I got my, you know, how they would use to wrap everything up. I just received it kind of plunked down in the back. And it's interesting because they had supported this brand forever. They lived the brand for a while. And then all of a sudden, you're seeing it a couple places where it didn't show up that way. I had an extremely negative viewpoint. I mean, I didn't go tell anybody, but mm -hmm. I'm telling you guys now. I had a negative viewpoint of that. And then I find that the time that I spend in that store, when I am in that store, it's much less. So it right. really does impact, I think, buying patterns, um, loyalty, in so many different ways. So, and I wanted to get a couple of your top tips. I mean, one of the things I would say to your point um, about, about that kind of brand ambassadorship is when you go to Chick-fil-A and every single one time you go through the drive-thru and they say, uh, my pleasure. And so now anytime I go to another restaurant, fast food drive-thru and they say, my pleasure, I think you worked at Chick-fil-A, didn't you? You started there because that is so heavily ingrained in my brain as someone who has driven through millions of times with my kids. So I, so one of the things I would, I would say is consistency is incredibly important, but what are some other tips that you would give to people in franchising who are looking to really improve that brand? Well, I mean, first of all, kind of know, know what it is. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, and can, can you really live it? And right. part of that living piece is, you know, you mentioned making, first of all, making sure you know it, making mm -hmm that it's at a, at a, if you want to call it behavioral level, you know, with, with your employees and say, okay, this is what this means. And you're right. With Chick-fil-A, friendly means, you know, saying hello, friendly means. So it's not just having these words, um, but, but really making sure we live the word. For example, if it's, if it's high trust, you know, we're high trust. We're, that's part of our brand. Well, high trust goes for um, its customers. So it's really the second tip would be, it's got to be for your customers. It's the employees, it's future employees. So making sure that it's, it's, it's kind of more all-encompassing as well. And I think that's, that's really important. So it's that deliberate piece. I also think it's reinforcing, making mm -hmm. sure that you keep it in front of people. And I think that, don't you think that's the Chick-fil-A and a lot yep. of too, where it's like you have to keep it in front of someone time and time and time again, incorporating it into the training, incorporating mm -hmm. it into whether it's secret shopping, you know, making, making sure that you have ways of reinforcing it. Absolutely. So we're, we're getting close to the end of the show here, but what are some no-nos that you would uh, 
suggest people avoid doing in terms of customer service marketing and brand ambassadorship? Okay, well, well, one thing I can always think of is platitudes, making yeah. it big picture, you know, and, and then the employees are like, yeah, not really. And so they, they don't even know how to live it. And I think that happens so many times. And then that, that's where then we're going to go the opposite direction. The second one, a big no-no is if you can't live it as a leader. And, you know, we talk about when somebody, you know, mentions a high trust. When a leader is like, oh, yes, we have high trust. We have high trust with, with our customers and everyone. And then the, uh, the leader is saying to the secretary, the receptionist, uh, lie to the customer for me. I'm not available or whatever. So it's making sure that you're very congruent with, with what, you're, what you're saying that you're taking the lead for it. Those are a couple of really big, big no-nos that I've seen. Well, and they matter so much. I mean, when somebody thinks you're a hypocrite because you're yeah. a leader and you're not doing what you're telling your employees to do, those employees are not going to do the same thing. They're not going to project that to the customer. And then you're going to have this whole cycle of distrust, don't you think, going forward? Absolutely. And then what happens, too, is you're exactly right with the social media. It starts mm -hmm. up on glass door. And, and, you know, and then it says up on Glassdoor, Indeed, all these different places. So then when you want to try to attract employees, then you can't attract the right type of person because you've kind of been dinged on, uh, on all the different social media. Well, and, and don't you think recovery from that is way harder than doing it right the first time, right? Absolutely. So it's pay attention to this. Those small things aren't so small. Exactly. Well, Karen, thank you so much. We look forward to having on you, you on the show frequently with all of your advice and tips. Um, so thank you so much for agreeing to come on today and sharing all of your experiences. Thanks. And we look forward to seeing you um, hopefully next week. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. So we have had yet another good Pillars of Franchising show. We want to thank our guest, Kevin Topa of J-Dog, um, Jump Removal and Recycling um, and Hauling. Uh, to our Million Dollar Mentors, we thank you to those here and those not here. Uh, thank you so much for your time and energy each and every week. And if you're looking for a mentor, please go to pillarsoftranchising.com and fill out the form so that we can reach out to you and help you get that franchise. Um, we are the Pillars of Franchising. We are here to be your resource for franchising success and make your dreams a reality. This has been Pillars of Franchising, and the dream starts here. Semperfy. Thank <laughs> you.